And the goal with a visitor survey is really to understand why they're there and what's holding them back. And a lot of the times when we pair that with a customer survey, worlds erupt because we'll go to our customers and ask questions about, you know, if you could no longer use this product, what would you miss the most? That's that's a question from AG Consult. They're, it's phenomenal. I learned it years ago and I will always use it. If I would take this away from you, instead of asking, what's the thing you like the most about us? If I would take this away from you now, how would you feel? These are the questions that let you learn more about the community and the person, what they care about and the real value that they're looking for. Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, the show that's all about helping you develop the skills and insights you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. I'm your host, Sonia Thompson, an inclusive brand coach, strategist, consultant, and someone with a lot of differences. Let's get to it. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. As marketers, we want to ensure that the campaigns and funnels we put together for our brands are converting. I mean, there's an entire industry within marketing focused on conversion rate optimization. I got some questions recently in from someone who was inquiring about the role of inclusion in conversion rate optimization. And the person I immediately thought of to have a chat on this topic was Talia Wolf, founder of GetUplift, a conversion rate optimization agency. I love her perspective so much on this topic and conversion rate optimization on the whole. So I'm eager for you to tune in to this discussion. So without further ado, here's Talia. Hey, Talia, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. Yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation. So before we get into it, um, let's just kind of bring the people up to speed on who you are and what you do. (laughs) I am Talia Wolf, and I'm the founder of Get Uplift. And Get Uplift is a conversion rate optimization agency and mm-hmm. a training space. So we essentially help businesses optimize their funnels, their emails, their websites to sell more using emotion. And we also teach the methodology with courses. Got it. Okay. All right. We're going to talk a lot about emotion um, today, and I'm excited about that. But before we do that, can you just Get us all up speed on what conversion rate optimization is and in terms of how you define it. Yes, definitely. Um, so conversion rate optimization is the art 
of turning more of your existing visitors into customers or clients. Um, so essentially, many companies, most companies spend a lot of budget on driving traffic to their website. And they see the conversion rate, whether if it's a trial, a sign up, a purchase um, in Google Analytics. My job and our agency, what we do is we turn those people, more of those people into customers. So essentially, if you are getting 10,000 people a month to your website and 100 people converting, my job is to get it to 200 or 300 or more or less, whatever. And we do that by testing. So we do extensive research, which we will, we will talk about today, um, and then basically make changes to the copy, to the design, to the user experience, uh, sometimes to an actual product or a pricing plan, depending on the business, and all in the goal of increasing their ROI and driving more revenue for them. Yeah. So it sounds very analytical and methodical. And I guess every time that I hear people talking about like, okay, we're going to be focusing on increasing our conversions and optimizing, I think people also talk about it in those terms. But you uh, mentioned that there's a lot of emotion involved in this process. Can you just talk about like how, what the role emotion plays and how that fits in? Yeah, definitely. So I have been doing conversion rate optimization for like more than a decade now. And when I got started, I really was focused on changing elements on a page, just kind of like, let's change the hero image and see what happens. Let's change the color of a button and see what happens. But very quickly, I realized that that had no effect on conversion rates or it has an effect, but sometimes, but it's tiny. And if I really want to increase conversions, I need to understand how people make decisions. Because if I understand the decision-making process, then I can help people make the decision to choose my client. Um, So I went to the drawing board and started working with my team on understanding how people make decisions. And we poured through psychology books and we poured through all the research. And we understood that the most important key component to making a decision in life is emotion. Everything is based on emotion, every decision, whether if it's B2B, B2C, if you're selling something, there's emotion involved. Um, And actually there's some incredible professors out there and scientists that have proved that without emotion, we can't make any decision. And so a lot of our work at Get Uplift is geared around understanding those emotions. Why are people buying from us? I I think 99%, and this is a made up number, but I'm just going to say 99% of companies think that people buy from them because of their features, their technology, their pricing. We understand that people don't buy products. They buy better versions of themselves. So our goal is to understand that. And once we understand that, it's crystal clear Because what happens is I'm looking at a landing page or I'm looking at a website or an email sequence. Let's say it's a landing page and it's at 2% conversion rate, which is quite good. But I'm trying to understand what to optimize. It's so hard to know. But once you do your research and you understand the pains that people are feeling, the challenges they're facing, how they want to feel after buying a product, what they want to achieve, the jobs they're trying to get done, it's so much easier to look at a page and say, oh, I'm saying all the wrong things, or 
this person wants to know one thing and I'm talking about something else or I'm not bringing the right social proof in there. It's just so much easier to critique the page and then you can write better copy and you can design it better. So that's kind of where emotion comes in and the process that we've built at Get Uplift is to help our clients identify that decision-making process, those emotions, desired outcomes, and then translating that into high converting copy and design. Got it. It sounds very comprehensive, but it really hits on the levers of actually what moves people to action. One of the things that I talk about a lot as it relates to representation and marketing is from the standpoint of people need to see themselves or who they aspire to be reflected in the visual imagery so they can take that next step forward with you. If they see themselves, they can move forward. If they don't, they're probably going to you know, go someplace else. And I think it connects a lot to what you were just talking about around the emotion in terms of they want a better version of themselves. And if they can't even see themselves, then it's hard to imagine that better version of themselves. So that's kind of like how you're adding the psychology and emotion aspect to representation overall. So I love that aspect of it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, That's definitely where it's coming from. And I think when you take the conversation away from elements and you start thinking about the people behind the screen, it just makes it easier um, to know what to show on the page and who you're speaking to. Because when you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to no one. So you really have to understand who you're speaking to. And I think many brands in the past used to go for, let's take a look at Nike. So Nike in the past used to use Michael Jordan as an example. And those Mm -hmm. are people that you're never going to be like, you know, no one's ever going to be like Michael Jordan, (laughs) but you know, you aspire to be like him. I wish I was Michael Jordan. Right. Nowadays, when you look at Nike, they're using people like you and I. Yeah. It's relatability. It's that person that looks like me that I can identify with. And it doesn't matter what I look like. I can still put Nike trainers on and go out for a run. And that is crucial because that is where we are today. We are being bombarded by thousands of brands that want our attention. And we're going to go to the ones that see us, that recognize us, and we can see them. We can see ourselves in them. Yeah. One of the reasons why um, that prompted me to reach out to you to have this conversation today is someone reached out to me and they were pretty upset about their company had recently gone through a website overhaul. And this person felt like the company's website was quite diverse um, and representative and inclusive. But then after the overhaul, they felt that it wasn't the case at all. And they had received a, a number of you know comments from other people in the company who felt the same. So the marketing team responded and said, oh, well, we did a great amount of testing. And these are the images because they were really focusing on the imagery. These are the images that tested well. And it sounds like Thinking about inclusion and sort of optimization from this sort of stance is all about changing elements, but it got me thinking a lot about bias and like some of the biases that are exist because then you have to ask like, well, who are you asking and what are the, what are the things that are, you know, coming in? So it sounds like that's really not the way to go at all when it comes to how do we incorporate inclusion into this process? Yeah. I mean, I don't know the company and I don't know what the process was to me. When someone says, we tested that, I immediately kind of take a step back because I'm always wondering, are you using this as an excuse? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's never about one element and your offer, whatever it is, 
is going to be relevant to many people. If it's not inclusive, then you're shutting these people out. <laughs> and I can even give you an example of a client of mine. We recently ran a homepage test for them just on the header. And it was just copy. And one of the people in the company wrote a headline that was very, very specific to founders only. And you'd think that was cool because you'd say, oh, quite a big portion of our clients are these type of people. But the, immediately the first thing I said is, if you say this sentence, you're excluding all the people that are actually testing the product. Yeah. So yes, this founder uses the product later to make decisions, but that's not the person who's testing it, who's purchasing it, who's making the decision to use the tool. And if you go about this, then you're going, this, this variation is going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and funnily enough, it did. And this isn't because I'm some prophet. It's just because I've gotten to an intimacy, to a level of intimacy with this my client's audience where I understand what makes them shy away from stuff and what won't convert them. So I think it's the same in the opposite way is that a lot of the times we use this We've tested this because mm-hmm. um, it's easier. But as I mentioned before, it's not the best practice to just test visuals and images. And there were a few things like bells that rang when you when you were telling me the story. So yeah. number one is they went for a website overhaul. Website overhauls are rarely tested. There are usually a bunch of marketers and a CEO sitting in a room going, we want to look like that. We want to be more cool. We want to have some movement on the website. I'm not trying to like this. It's just, this is what it's like. This is the amount of clients we get that come to us after a redesign because it tanked everything is enormous. Because they go by what they want, what they think they should say. They think about themselves as the customers. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on in there, right? Where, where you're like not really thinking about the customer, you're thinking about yourself. How will people perceive you? And if everyone in that room is the same yeah. and look the same and speak the same, you're going to produce a website that looks like that. Yeah. So there's something to say about the team that's doing the redesign. And also, are you testing just to kind of approve your biases? <laughs> so like you're trying to like prove, if we put a bunch of these people on the page, it will work and it will work. So yeah, there's a lot of layers there where it, it could bring up a lot of challenges and not um, the results that you're looking for at all. So um You said one of my favorite words around here, and it was intimacy. And you talked a lot about the intimacy that you have with the clients or the people that you tend to work with. And I find that customer intimacy is one of the core foundations of building an inclusive brand. Like you have to know the people. It's one of the foundations of building any brand. Like you have to have that degree of intimacy with the customers you're serving so that you can deliver what it is that they're looking for from you. So what how do you bake intimacy into your process? And like, what would you say is your recommended approach for effectively doing, um, optimizing your your content and your, your marketing assets so that you're able to convert more people? Yes, I think the first thing I always say is that we have a tendency as marketers to look at data because everyone's telling us to be data-driven, but we're looking at very mm-hmm. specific data sets. 
We're looking at age. We're looking at geographical location. We're looking at Mm -hmm. gender sometimes. We're looking at browsers, devices, and technology. We're looking at numbers and we're treating people as if they are robots. We're not actually looking at the person behind the screen, their pains, their challenges, what they're going through. And I'm not talking about building a persona. That's not something that we do. It's not a Jane, 34, two kids, a picket fence. It's not, not what I mean. I think customer intimacy for me is based on research. So every single project that we start is based on getting to know the real people behind the screen on an intimate level. It really is about understanding struggles, pains, challenges. It's about understanding what is the point that led them to my client's website. That they were like, I can no longer suffer this. I have to do this. I have to solve this. And then again, what are they trying to prove for themselves? What are they trying to achieve for themselves? And I see this again, both in B2C and in B2B. And I think when I mention emotion, everyone's like, yeah, I get it in B2C, of course. But with B2B, I think it was Google Think that proved that customers are eight times more likely to purchase a high premium software for more money if it shows a personal value for them, which is insane, right? Because to be customers are still people. So to get to know your customers, you need to really understand their thought process. So a lot of our work is around interviewing people, surveying them, doing user testing, uh, listening to sales calls, listening, just watching people and seeing them online in terms of conversations. So going into Facebook groups and seeing conversations between real people who are talking about their pains and about their challenges within that specific industry. Um, Something that I learned from Joanna Weave, for example, who is the queen of of conversion copywriting, is something called review mining. So for our clients, we will go, we will look for a book that tries to solve this. So if you're an accounting software, there's a book out there that's like accounting 101. (laughs) That's kind of the idea. You go onto Amazon and you look at the reviews that the book is getting. This book is trying to solve something that your software does. So you can see what people are complaining about, what's missing, what they're looking for, what they hate, what they dislike, what they want. And you use that to really get into the mind and hearts of people. And then you run tests because tests are really important because you can say, well, I think we should be saying this and I think this will be the result. And here's why. But then you have to test it and see. So customer intimacy, this client I mentioned before, we've been working with them for almost three years now. Wow. wow. So we didn't know all this before, but now at some level, we have a very deep intimacy and we speak to every new employee that comes into the company and we train them to like, here's who you're speaking to. Here's some slide decks wow. to look at so they can get to know who they're speaking to. Cause you have to do this in product and sales and customer success, everything. For sure. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform 
for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Now, as you're going through this process and you're spending so much time with the customer, I imagine that for the different brands that you're working with, there might be times where there are different emotional triggers or levers that you might need to pull for different types of customers based upon their lived experiences, their goals, et cetera. Should brands be looking to understand that they need to sometimes communicate differently and use different assets, I guess, to communicate to different people based upon where they are? Or is it more of, you know, let's kind of focus on maximizing our resources and be as broad based as possible? <laughs> I think I know the answer, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, obviously, it's not the last. The not, it's not the latter, right. as you know. Um, almost every company sells to multiple different people yeah it's never just it's almost never just one person yeah that is exactly the same even when you're selling a posture uh corrector like one of our clients is has this beautiful product that corrects your posture and fixes it in a way it sounds like okay if you have a bad posture that's the person you're speaking to but there's actually multiple layers there and multiple emotions there's the people that are looking to fix years of pain. Like they've been sitting in front of a computer and they're slouching and they're in pain and they've, you know, and they just want to sit straight. They want to sit up better. Um, There's the people that have real back pain, like actually like scoliosis Mm -hmm. and like all sorts of really, really hard things that they've tried braces and like really crazy products before. And there's the people that are just, aware of their aesthetics mm-hmm. and people have pointed out that like you're hunching or you're slouching and they don't want to look like that so there's multiple layers multiple emotions in there right because if I talk about back pain to someone who's aware of their aesthetics and that's what they care about that's not going to connect yeah so there's like layers to it yeah. it's understanding what is the common pain that you're solving for everyone And then getting into it in different sections and speaking to the different people that you're relevant to. And if you are a person who has tremendous back pain, then there's a section in there for you. And and you read it because when you tell a story on a page, people read it. And if something isn't relevant, you'll scroll down and read the next thing. You need to weave it all in in a way that makes sense and speaks to everyone. And that doesn't mean you have to say everything in the header. It's throughout the whole page. Yeah. And I guess as part of um, what you're saying is like you, the one size fits all approach doesn't work. And wherever possible, use customization in your content to speak to the people at whatever point they are in their journey or whatever emotion is going to help them make the next decision to pull forward. And those emotions can very much be just tied to whatever differences people have, because that's going to feed into specific emotions that lead into how they make decisions. Exactly. Okay. 
Where should people start whenever they want to focus on diving deeper into understanding the emotions that are involved with the people that they're serving, particularly as they're engaging with newer communities? I think one thing that will really help if you are unsure of your existing customer base or your existing community, what I would do is run a survey for your visitors. Okay. And that can really help you because if you have a survey on your homepage or website where you're asking questions that are relevant to you, you're going to learn a lot. And what I mean by that is don't ask questions of like, what brought you here today? Or do you like our website? Or how would you rate our website? I would ask very specific questions. We have some that we really like asking that help us understand the person. As in, what was going on in your life today that made you search for a solution? Okay. And that really helps people tell a story. It's not, why did you come to our website? I came to buy shoes. Or what was going on in your life that made you, right now, that made you search for this, you know, shoes? Well, I have to go to a party and there's a lot of people that I know there and I haven't been out for a while because I just had a baby and I really want to feel good about myself and I want to impress someone and so on and so on. There's a difference in the way that you frame questions. Okay. You could also ask, are you using any solution right now? If you're a software, what don't you like about the software? Right. Or, you know, there's so many different questions that you can ask that are deeper then which feature are you looking for today? Or have you been looking at competitors? And the goal with a visitor survey is really to understand why they're there and what's holding them back. And a lot of the times when we pair that with a customer survey, worlds erupt because we'll go to our customers and ask questions about, you know, if you could no longer use this product, what would you miss the most? That's, that's a question from AG Consult. They're, it's phenomenal. I learned it years ago and I will always use it. If I would take this away from you, instead of asking, what's the thing you like the most about us? Mm-hmm. If I would take this away from you now, how would you feel? These are the questions that let you learn more about the community and the person, what they care about and the real value that they're looking for. And I think that's where I would start. I would start with surveys. Yeah. Is there a way for brands to use this methodology and this approach in the reverse? So maybe it's we are recognizing that certain people with certain identities, are we don't convert them as well as we do others. So could we say, all right, our product doesn't convert as many people from the LGBTQ plus community, or we don't convert as many black people, or we don't convert as many people who are Muslim. And, you know, just for whatever the identity is, is there a way to sort of ask these types of questions to see how they are responding? Or maybe if there's a a friction point that um, prevents them from moving forward, or is that kind of, is that more complex than, than, than how to do that? I mean, just because something's complex doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, Mm -hmm. but it is complex. My immediate thought on that would be to use a product like Video Ask. Okay. I don't know if you know it. Video Ask, for those who don't know it, is by type form. It allows you to record short videos 
where you're asking questions and you can use that as a survey on your website. Okay. And if you're a company that cares about this, then I would assume that your team is built out of these communities. You have someone who is in the LGBTQ plus community, or you have teammates that are black or Jewish or, or all sorts of things. And I would put them on the website in a video ask, because if I'm a white person that comes on a video and a question and asks these kind of things, I don't think, I assume it would be harder to swallow. Okay. But if I'm from your community and I'm asking a question and you can see me and you can relate to me, it's very similar to what we're talking about with CRO. Yeah. Then there's more potential there for answers. Yeah. And I think you can do the same with a survey in an email. If you okay. send, you say, I have some questions to ask and they land on the landing page and they see the people, they see themselves on that landing page and there's a series of questions in there. They will feel more, I think they would feel more prone to actually answer the questions. For sure. So I think you you have to make the effort yeah. of actually doing it yourself and not just, oh, this is a really interesting community I'd like to tap into. <laughs> right. Um, I'll get this white man to ask right. this, uh, people of color what they think. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I mean, that's what, that's where my mind goes with that, but I definitely need to think about it more. Yeah, no, I think that's helpful. We talked, uh, um, in a recent episode talked about just how important incorporating representation throughout the market research process is helpful in getting you more of the responses that you like. So exactly what you mentioned is, I think, is going to help people get more in-depth data and more at the heart of how people are feeling and how they're responding to whatever it is that they're engaging with um, from a brand. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, so I'm vegan, but (laughs) a couple of years ago, we worked with a company that sells that have an e-commerce store where they sell meat and their whole thing is like Japanese meat and it's, it's cool. And one of the things that when we did our survey, someone answered, well, there's no kosher meat. And that kind of struck me. And and it was such a, like a note Mm -hmm. to look into. And I, and I was like, Oh, I wonder if there's a market for that Mm -hmm. because there's just, like little questions that you can ask or you can listen to your audience and just learn. There aren't a lot of people out there that are like, let me tell you exactly what I think is missing and why. They'll just bounce and go. Right. right? So I found that to be super interesting. Yeah. And then just having the the thought of whenever people just kind of throw those comments out there, knowing that or having the the curiosity, I guess, or even some background knowledge to know that this is important enough to this particular group of people, it's, I bet it's more important to, you know, a broader group of people as yeah. well. If you kind of not just think of it as a throwaway comment, but versus, oh, this is something that we should probably explore a little bit more deeply. Yeah. How often should people be looking to evaluate or revisit their efforts from a CRO standpoint? I mean, CRO is a never ending job. <laughs> okay. um, you're constantly wanting to optimize. I mean, we've run like 20 or something experiments just on one of our SaaS clients pricing page. Okay. And it's the same pricing page for the past two years. And we've run so many experiments on it. So it's never ending. I think it depends on how much traffic you have and, and, 
and how many conversions per month you have, but you should always be testing and you should always be optimizing. And sometimes that's in copy and sometimes that's in design. The one thing that you always have to be doing is research constantly. Okay. So the customer intimacy process never ends. (laughs) Yes. Love it. Uh, Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and your work and your methodology? Because this is fascinating. And I know, like you said, it never ends and you got to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And there's so many layers to it. (laughs) Yeah, 100 percent. You can find me on getuplift.co, which is our website. And basically, I have multiple guides on there that the entire team has written on how to use emotional targeting and how to, you know, find those emotions of your customers. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Talia GW and I tweet multiple things <laughs> over there and on LinkedIn. But on the website, we have so many free resources. We also have our courses, but you can definitely start out just by reading our guides. Okay. I will have all that info in the show notes so people can access it easily. This has been such a fascinating discussion. Thanks so much for stopping by. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for marketers and business leaders who want to use conversion rate optimization as a way to meet more consumers, particularly those from underrepresented and underserved communities? Um, yeah, I think ultimately, I think where, where companies fall short is we're constantly trying to run fast. And we're trying to get to the end goal as quick as possible. So we take shortcuts. And the companies that take the time to build the foundations and really do the research are the ones that stand out, are the ones that are relatable. So I urge you, I know there's like AI and machine learning, there's like so much out there and we all just want to automate everything and go home. Um, (laughs) But ultimately someone has to you know, someone's at the back, they're reading copy, they're reading you. So I have seen it many, many times. If you take the time to really learn and emerge yourself in the different communities and understand who you're speaking to, the ROI is insane. (laughs) And you can outperform the biggest companies in your industry without, you know, spending a dollar on it. You don't have to have huge amounts of budgets to do it. It's just research. Love it. Very practical tips. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, And yeah, I think people never go wrong if they follow what you just said. (laughs) Talia had so many cool things to share. And one of the things that I loved, loved, loved about her approach is a focus on customer intimacy. The better you know your customers, including those with differences, the easier it will be for you to create products, services, experiences, and marketing funnels that move them forward and enable both of you to achieve your goals. That's it for today's episode. If you like this show, I'd love it if you leave a review for it in your podcast player of choice. It really does go a long way toward helping more people discover the show. And by the way, if you have a question that you'd like answered or a topic you'd like to have explored more deeply in a future episode, please do send it my way. You can email me, drop me a note in DMs on social, or even leave me a voicemail at inclusivemarketing.co slash voicemail. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.